So if you're new with us, my name's Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we are in the middle of a series called Objections. And in this series, we are exploring together some of the objections that people have to the Christian faith. And in week one of this series, we explored one of the biggest objections out there, and that is the objection of Christian hypocrisy. So when Christians don't live like Christ, people who aren't Christ followers are often pushed away from the God who loves them, and God does not want that to happen. So we talked in that message about how we as Christ followers need to work on our own hypocrisy so that it doesn't keep somebody from Jesus. And then last week, we looked at the objection of God's existence. There are people who say, you know, like I have a really hard time believing in a God that I don't have evidence for. Like I need proof for his existence. And so last week I offered some evidence for that. And I hope that you were able to take some of that evidence and explore it this past week. If you missed that message and you would like a little bit more of that content, you can go to our website, theepicchurch.com, and you can listen to that there or on our iTunes account. Now, next week, we are going to explore, let me look at my notes and see what we're going to do next week. So next week, we're going to look at the claim that Christianity makes that it is the only way to eternal life. And in a world where we like options, many people say, you know what, that is a little offensive. Like, how can Christianity say it's the only way? And for some people, that's their objection. That's what holds them back from putting their faith in Jesus. They don't want just one way. They'd like other ways. So we're going to explore that next week. And then the week after that, we're going to look at science and the Bible. Uh, often there's a, an objection between what seems like a contradiction between those two things. Some people say, you know what, I'm a fact person and Christianity is about faith and I need fact. And if it doesn't have fact, then I don't know that I can believe in that. So we're going to explore science in the Bible. So if you know anybody who has those objections, I strongly encourage you to invite them to come with you. Or like we say on a regular basis, they can listen to our messages on our website or our iTunes account as well. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to explore a, a kind of a follow-up question to last week. So last week, we talked about God's existence. And today, I'm going to try to answer the question, if God does exist, then why does he allow bad things to happen? So has anybody ever thought that or asked that of yourselves? If, if you had that question, and many people have asked that question, Christ followers and non-Christians alike often ask that question. So we're going to explore that today. And I've got some really exciting news for you. As we go through these answers today, you are not going to like any of the answers I give. None of them. I'm just warning you in advance. You might agree with them. You might understand them, but you are not going to like them. So aren't you so glad you came to church today? I'm glad you're here because it gives me somebody to talk to. So here's what we're going to wrestle with at the end of today's message. What do we do when we get answers we don't like or we don't understand? Will we run from God and look for other answers that we do like? Or will we learn to trust God in the midst of answers we don't like and we don't understand? So that's what we'll get to by the end of today's message. Now, 
If you are a note taker, I strongly recommend you grab a pen or you get out your phone because I'm going to go through six different reasons today why I believe God allows bad things to happen. You can take notes on the back of our announcement sheet. You can take notes on our spiritual growth challenge. You can take notes on the back of a bald guy who sits in front of you. I mean, like, right, guys? Like, we give freedom for that. Like, hey, that's an okay thing. Um, you can take notes any way that'd be appropriate for you. Um, but I think taking notes is really going to help you remember what we're talking about today. So if you're ready for the first thing that you are not going to like, the first answer that you're not going to like, here we go. First reason I think God allows bad things to happen in the world involves this thing called free will. So let me explain free will. When God uh, got to the point of creating the universe as we know it and, and creating us, he had a decision to make. Was he going to give us the ability to choose to follow him or was he gonna force us to do that? Was he gonna make us pre-programmed robots? And there were pluses and minuses with each option that he had. If he made us to be pre-programmed robots, then we would do what we were forced to do. Would that really be a loving decision to make? But if God gave us the ability to choose, then we might use our free will not to obey him, not to follow him, not to love him. And that would bring other consequences with that decision. So God had a big decision to make before he created us. But I believe since 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. It doesn't say God has love. It doesn't say God is loving. It says God is love. He's the embodiment of love. And because God is love, I think he only had one option when it came to free will. He had to give it to us because it was the only loving thing that he could do. Now, most of us, have a love-hate relationship with our free will. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with my free will. So let me tell you the moments that I love my free will. I love my free will when I get to do what I wanna do regardless of what God wants me to do or anybody else wants me to do. I love it in those moments. And this may shock you or maybe not shock you. The, the closer you are to me, the more you know me, this won't shock you. But there are moments that I shake my little fist at God. I stick my little finger out at him and I say, God, I don't want you telling me what to do. So leave me alone. You're not the boss of me. I'll do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I love my free will in those moments. Like it's exciting because I get to do what I want to do. Here's the moments that I hate my free will. It's when my decisions bring pain into other people's lives, into my life, and into my relationship with God. And in those moments where I recognize the pain that I have brought because of my choice, I am deeply grieved. And there are moments that I say to God, God, why did you give me free will? Just take it back. I don't want it anymore. And then a few days later, sometimes a few hours later, sometimes a few minutes later, I take it back and I say, God, leave me alone because I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Anybody else experience that crazy cycle in your life? Welcome to the club. I'm the club president. My name's Trent. So we've all been given this amazing gift called free will. And with it, 
we can choose to do good. And with it, we can choose to do bad. With it, we can choose to do evil. Some people make that choice. But the reality is, no matter what choice we make with our free will, we will all one day, as scripture says, we will all one day stare into the eyes of a holy God and give an account for how we used our free will. If that moment doesn't bring a a little bit of butterflies to your stomach, it should. One day we'll stare into the eyes of a holy God and we'll talk about the decisions that we made with this amazing gift called free will. But again, the reason God gave it to us is because it was the only loving option that he had. He did not want to force anybody to be a pre-programmed robot and obey him. Now, the reason I don't like that answer, because I find myself kind of going around in a circle, kind of like my chocolate lab chasing her tail, where in one moment I'm like, oh, I love free will. It's great because I get to choose. The next moment, oh, I don't like free will because sometimes I choose poorly and that doesn't go well. And like, I hate that. So God, take it back. No, God, I want it back because I really want to make this choice in this moment. But ow, that was hurtful. So God, here, you have it. No, I want it back again. So if you find yourself going around and around with that, you're you're acknowledging our love-hate relationship with this amazing gift that God has given us and the reality that we all have a free will and we've got a choice of what we're going to do. We've got to choose what we're going to do with this free will. And we don't always like the reality that God has given us free will. Okay, you ready for number two? The second reason I think God allows bad things to happen is because it has the ability to deepen our faith and build our character. So listen to what James, the brother of Jesus, says in James chapter one. Verse two, he says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, anybody ever have trouble come your way? Anybody sitting by trouble this morning? Maybe you brought trouble with you today. So when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Don't you just hate verses like that? Like how many of us go like, whoo, trouble's coming and this is gonna be awesome. I mean, most of us are going, trouble's coming. Where can I run? I don't want to be around trouble. But James says, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Other translations translate those two words this way. You will be mature and complete needing nothing. So sometimes God allows difficulty because it grows our faith in ways that nothing else can. It gives us strong faith and deep character. So listen to how the apostle Paul echoes what James said in Romans chapter five, verse three, says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials For we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So we can rejoice when problems and difficulty and struggle comes into our lives. Now, I really like when God uses problems and troubles and difficulty in your life. I think it's motivational. I think it's inspiring to me. 
Like when I watch God bring some challenging thing and I sit on the sidelines and I'm watching, I'm going like, this is the moment for them. Like they're either gonna step up and step into this new relationship with God and it's gonna be amazing or they're gonna step back and I can't wait to see what they're gonna do. This is awesome. I just hate it when God does that in my life. I mean, to be honest with you, I would rather have the diploma than go through the coursework. But I know there is no easy way to develop deep faith and strong character. There's no three easy steps. There's no book out there called Spiritual Growth for Dummies, even though I feel like I could write one of those. Like there isn't any of that. There is one way to becoming mature and complete in Christ. And that is often through difficult moments that have the opportunity to push us to God like nothing else can. All right, third reason why God allows bad things to happen is found in James chapter one, actually verse three. We're gonna circle back into that. So verse two says, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Then verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So sometimes God allows bad things to happen so our faith can be tested. And I don't really like the faith testing part of spiritual growth. Um, I would rather just kind of pretend like I have faith or think I have real faith. But God comes along and says, you know what? To prove that you have faith, we have to test your faith occasionally. So God allows difficult things to happen in our lives and around our lives so that our faith can be proven. Is anybody familiar with the story of Job in the Bible? Anybody know that story? Anybody like to read that story? Okay, less hands on that one. If you don't know the story of Job in the Bible, that section of the Bible, it's in the Old Testament part of the Bible, it's not about employment. It's not about job. So it's not called job. It's called Job, and it's about Job's life. So Job had this um, amazing life where he worshiped God on a regular basis. And then one day, God allowed him to be tested. And it was a severe testing. And out of that testing... Job lost his family, he lost his wealth, and he lost his health. He lost everything that was near and dear to him. And Job had this amazing faith in the midst of all that. So listen to what he said in Job chapter 1, verse 21. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I'll be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. I read that and go, wow, Job had some amazing faith. When his faith was tested, he proved his faith was real. And then his wife came along and she saw him praising God. And she said, like, are you still trying to hold on to your dignity? Are you still trying to worship God? Why don't you just curse God and die? He's taken everything from you. And so... Job responds in chapter two, verse 10. He says, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So again, Job proved that his faith was real when God came along and allowed his faith to be tested. So sometimes bad things happen in our lives because God is testing our faith to see, 
Do we really have real faith or not? A fourth reason why I think God allows bad things to happen is because he is doing something good behind the scenes that we can't always see. Um, Listen to the story of Joseph. So Joseph lived about 4,000 years ago. He was a part of the story I was telling last week, but I didn't reference his name. So Joseph was the son of Jacob. And uh, Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob. And if you can imagine, that caused a little conflict between he and his brothers. His brothers actually hated him. One day they decided they were going to kill him and then changed their mind, said, no, let's do something else. Let's just sell him into slavery. So they sold Joseph into slavery. He ended up in Egypt in the dungeons. So there's a, a few stories that led into him being imprisoned in the dungeons, unjustly accused of something he didn't do. So here he is sitting in the dungeon. And I'm sure there were moments he's going, okay, God, what's happening you know, in my life? Why are you allowing these things to happen? These are horrible things. I haven't chosen this, but God was with him. God brought him from the dungeons of Egypt to number two in command. Can you imagine that promotion? That's a pretty nice promotion, wouldn't you say? So he was number two, only behind the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh said, listen, like, I'm going to put you in charge of all of our food distribution because Joseph had told him there's a famine coming and we better get ready. So Pharaoh said, you take care of that and I'm going to trust you with all of the kingdom. So in Canaan, where his brothers lived, they experienced the famine and they had to go somewhere to get food to survive the famine. Where'd they have to go? Egypt. Who'd they have to go see? Joseph. So they went and saw Joseph and found out this is their brother. And you can imagine they're thinking like, he's going to kill us. Like we tried to kill him. He's going to kill us. And he said, no, that's not what I'm going to do. So listen to what he said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He said, you intended to harm me. So just imagine that conversation. So he's talking to his brothers, like, like guys, like, you know, like when you wanted to kill me, when you threw me in that pit and you went and told our dad that I was killed by a wild animal, and then when you pulled me out of the pit and you sold me into slavery, like you intended to hurt me because you hated me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. So God took all of that bad stuff and he used it in Joseph's life to do something great behind the scenes that Joseph could only see in the rearview mirror of his life. He didn't see it in that moment, but looking back, he went, oh, now I see what God was doing. He brought me here so I could save the lives of thousands of people. I think God does the same thing in our lives. I think sometimes God does something behind the scenes that we can't see. So maybe, just maybe, that difficulty that you're going through right now, God is using, and he's doing something great in it. There's something behind the scenes that you can't see. Maybe you won't see it tomorrow. Maybe you won't see it for another 10 years, but maybe 15 years from now, you'll look back in the rearview mirror of your life, and you'll go, oh, now I see. Or maybe when we stand with God in eternity... And we look back at our lives, maybe then God will show us all the amazing things that he was doing behind our lives and everybody else's life. All the cool stuff that we would just go, wow, I never knew you were doing that. Only God can bring a good thing out of a bad thing. And sometimes he allows bad things to happen so he can do something even greater. 
Romans 8.28 it says, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That means everything, every hurt, every pain, every sorrow. There is not a difficulty that you and I can go through that God can't use to grow us to be more like Jesus, to do something great in our lives or somebody else's life, or to deepen our faith and build our character. There's nothing that God can't use. The fifth reason why I think God allows us to go through difficulty at times is because it has the ability to drive us to God more than any other thing can. Almost 27 years ago, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia. And he had an 11-year battle with leukemia, and then he died almost 16 years ago. And one of the things that I found interesting in my dad's journey with leukemia was that he said, you know, leukemia drove me to God like nothing else could. And because of leukemia, I have a better relationship with God than I had before leukemia. And my dad said he actually never prayed for God to take leukemia away from him. And that bothered me because I prayed for God to take it away. My mom sure did. My brother and sister did. My family did. Like we prayed for God to take this away. But my dad said, listen, I don't want God to take this away because it's brought me to a closer relationship with God than I would have without it. I don't like that answer, but I understand the answer. I actually know it's true. I know it's true because I've seen it in my own life. So 11 years ago, my wife came down with a chronic illness that took two and a half years to get a diagnosis. And we're talking, she went from great health to horrible health like that, where she couldn't get out of bed, she couldn't walk, she walked with a cane for almost two and a half plus years. It was a life-altering experience for us. So we started on the journey of going from doctor to doctor to specialist to specialist. We saw probably over 10 different specialists. We went to Gaines Hospital, uh, uh, Shans Hospital in Gainesville twice uh, to see specialists, and we got no answers for almost two and a half years. From doctor to doctor, like we got to the point where we kind of lost hope in uh, our next appointment. We thought maybe our next appointment will find something. Next appointment would come and go and we would find nothing. Uh, Insurance backed away from us and said, like, we're not paying for this journey that you're on. So they stopped paying. So we found that my wife and I were left alone. And there were many nights where my, my, my wife would be laying in bed in intense pain, crying out to God. And I would be sitting there in the darkness begging God for an answer. Please give us something. Give us direction. Give us hope somewhere. This feels so hopeless. For two and a half years, that was our life. Now, 11 years later, I'm looking back in the rearview mirror of my life, and I see some of what God was doing. So two and a half years later, she got a diagnosis. We began a journey. My wife's doing much better now. But as I look back at that, I recognize that God took everything else away from us so that we would deal directly with him and him alone. He's all we had. And we had to answer the question, what are we going to do when all we have is God? 
when all the other paths that we could pursue weren't working, what were we going to do? Were we going to step closer to God or farther away from God? And we found that we stepped closer to him, that my wife and I have a stronger relationship with each other, have a stronger relationship with our kids, have a stronger relationship with God than we would have had without that. Now, I would never wish this kind of a journey on anyone, but many of you have experienced some things like that. I'm just curious, can anybody here say, you know, you went through something really, really hard, and as you look back at that thing, that thing actually drove you more towards God than away from him? Anybody willing to say that? All right, hands all over. There is a real reality that sometimes when God allows bad things to happen, its purpose is so that we will find ourselves closer to him instead of farther away from him. Now, my last answer My least favorite answer for this question, for why God allows bad things to happen is this. I don't know. I don't know. Like, why are crazy people allowed to go into schools and kill innocent students? I don't know. Why do children get cancer and die young? Why are children abused? Why are people caught up in uh, this horrible thing called human trafficking that happens around the world? Like, I don't know, and I hate not knowing. There are moments that bothers me deeply. But this is where we get to the question that I asked earlier in the message. Like, what are we going to do when we get to a spot when we don't like the answers we've been given or we don't know the answer for something? Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to find ourselves stepping towards God or away from God? Listen to what happened in Jesus' life on one occasion. There were many people following Jesus. He was healing people. He was like, you know, the new show in town, and everybody loved it. I mean, they were following him everywhere. If he's going to heal us, man, this is going to be fantastic. Life's going to be great as long as we stay close to Jesus. And then he started giving them answers for things they didn't want to hear. They didn't like his answers. They didn't like what he was saying. And he recognized, I need to test their faith. Do they really have faith in me or do they just like the magic show that's going on? Are they really going to follow me or not? So Jesus started having real conversations with them. And they literally walked away from Jesus. There were hundreds of his followers that said, I'm not following anymore because I don't like your answers. In John chapter 6, verse 67, Jesus turned to his 12 disciples and asked, are you also going to leave? Like, are you going to follow them too? Are you going to leave like everybody else is leaving? And Simon Peter answered. He said, Lord, to whom would we go? Like, you have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And I feel like Peter on, on many occasions, especially when something difficult is going on in my life, like, Where else will we go? Who else has real answers for these real questions we're asking? Who else has the hope of eternity that they can offer us? No one. Only God does. So where else are we going to turn when we get answers we don't understand or we don't like? Listen to the encouragement that comes from the Apostle Paul. So if you don't know Paul, he's got this amazing story where he went from a Jesus hater 
to a Jesus follower after he had this radical experience with Jesus himself. And uh, God used Paul to write a majority of the New Testament part of the Bible. And you would think that maybe a guy like that, God would say like, I'm gonna make your life easy because I'm gonna use you greatly in the world, but not so for Paul. So listen to some of the stuff that happened in his life. He was beaten, he was stoned and left for dead. He was whipped five times. He was thrown in several prisons. He was attacked by angry mobs. He was unjustly arrested and held in prison for two years and ultimately killed because of his faith in Jesus. Church history teaches that on a lonely day, Paul was taken off uh, in Rome somewhere and he was beheaded. That was the end of his story. Listen to what Paul said about all that he was going through and all that he would go through. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, he says, we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. So what should we do when bad things happen? We should never give up. We should renew our spirit, renew our mind every day to God's truth. We should focus on what's gonna last forever, not the stuff that we're, we're going through temporarily, We should strengthen our faith, build our character, and trust that God's doing something great behind the scenes, even when we can't see what he's doing. So my question for you this morning is, what are you going to do with your free will? You've been given an amazing gift, the ability to choose to lead yourself towards God or to lead yourself away from God when you get answers you're not all that excited about. So what will you do with your free will? I encourage you to process that while our worship team closes us out today. And then next week, we're gonna explore this amazing claim that Christianity makes that it is the only way to eternal life. And if there's a message that you don't miss in this series, I hope it's next week. I hope you'll be here and I hope you'll invite somebody who might have that as their objection to Christianity, because what we're going to learn next week can and should radically change how we view Christianity and how we live as Christ followers. So I hope you'll invite somebody to be here with us next week. So if you would, let's stand together and pray. So Lord, this morning, we've looked at at least six reasons for why bad things happen around us. And, and God, like even at the end of this message, I know we don't like these answers. We may agree with them. We may understand them, but we don't necessarily like them. And yet, God, we've got to answer the question, what are we going to do when we get an answer we don't like or we don't know? Will we push ourselves towards you and trust that you're doing something great even when we can't understand it? Or will we allow that to push ourselves away from you? God, you've given all of us the ability to choose. You've given us this amazing gift called free will. And with it, we can choose to worship you and obey you 
and to point other people towards you or with it, we can reject you and say, God, I, I don't, I don't want to follow you if you're not going to give me the answers that I like or the answers that I want. So God, we have a love-hate relationship with free will. But you've given it to us and we have to decide what we're gonna do with it. Lord, I pray and I know that you want for all of us to choose to strengthen our faith and deepen our character that when something happens that we would fix our gaze on what lies beyond, fix our gaze on what's gonna last forever and not focus on the stuff that's just here today or tomorrow or for a few short years, but Lord, that we would trust you and you only because Lord, where else will we turn? We have no one else to turn to that offers the hope that you do. So this morning, Lord, I pray that we would all choose to take one more big step towards you. In Jesus' powerful name, we say this, amen. Let's sing together.